The reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, and it's on page 1178 in the Church Bibles. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Jesus Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you who share in God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Thanks, Mary. What has your heart this morning? Maybe I'll ask it this way. Who has your heart this morning? Our hearts are funny things, aren't they? Things get hold of our heart. Sometimes they're things we set our hearts on. Sometimes they're things we sort of sneak up on us and we find out that our hearts are invested or our hearts are warmed or whatever. This week, um, I recognized that, um, well, my heart, it's, I have a part of my heart at least that uh, is uh, on the coast of North and South Carolina. Um, I, I lived on the bottom edge and the top edge of the storm. And uh, this week, as, as it was coming that way, you know, my attention turned in that direction and, you know, I sent out a few messages to folks, are you evacuating and sort of what's happening, that sort of thing. And, and uh, when I had a few minutes here or there, I, you know, got some uh, news from, you know, the coast and, of course, it's 24-7 there, nothing but storm and, you know, watching and watching in the morning sometime or different times seeing, you know, recognizing places, streets that I drove down all the time and and all that sort of thing. Interestingly enough, it wasn't a place that was sort of ever on my heart until I lived there. We were just talking about this last night. Um, It was not a place that had my heart. In fact, uh, um, Shelley will tell you, when when the Lord began to move us there, um, our both first response was, Lord, anywhere but there. But it sort of, something happens. It gets, people get in your heart. Places get in your heart. And events happen and, and you realize, oh, my heart's there. I, I, you know, there's another storm that's raging in, the, you know, in, in Asia right now. And, and, and it, it's not that I don't care about that, but I don't, my heart's not there. You know, I don't have that connection. 
Well, today we're starting with this series on Philippians, and, uh, and we've been talking and watching Paul as he travels and the different places he's traveled, and last week we found him in Philippi. And what we find as we read this passage this morning is that there is a piece of Paul's heart that is with the Philippians. He writes this letter and he says that, you know, he, he writes in this sort of glowing words of his affection. He talks about his affection towards those that are in Philippi and the Philippian church. And he says, literally, he says, my, my, you have my heart. Paul's writing this probably, uh, well, we know he's writing it from prison, probably prison in Rome. And, um, and, and unlike sort of many of other, Paul's other letters where he was writing because there was an issue and he was trying to correct something and, and sort of set some things straight, um, the, the letter to Philippians is, is not like that at all. It's probably written because of a guy by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras has, uh, Epaphroditus had um, been sent by the people of Philippi to Paul while he was in prison to take care of him and to check in on him and to see how he was doing. And, and while he was with Paul, he ended up staying quite some time. And he fell ill and almost died. And, and now Paul is sending a letter back with Epaphroditus to, um, to the people of Philippi. And that's probably the occasion of why he sits down and writes this letter. Not because anything's wrong, but because he's sort of sending it back with him. And he wants to check in on them and, and all of that. But he, he starts off with his sense that the people of Philippi have his heart. They're people that are close to him, that he cares about. How did he come to care about the people of Philippi? Well, we talked about that last week. He, he ended up on his journey sort of unexpectedly there. We'll talk about that a little in a few minutes. We'll touch back on that. But unexpectedly, in a way, he ends up in Philippi. And, and as he gets in Philippi, things begin to happen. And what happens? Well, you spend time with people and guess what happens? <laughs> they get something of your heart. It's a principle, actually, that Jesus says that where our treasure is, What? There will our hearts be also. So today as we talk about a new heart, you know, one of the ways we get a new heart is we invest in something. We can actually choose to invest in, in something and put our treasure and our time and our energy and our finances and whatever it is, and we can put that into something and whatever we put our treasure in, guess what? It ends up usually our hearts go, go with it. In, 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 in America, uh, you know, people put, bumper stickers on their cars that's sort of all sorts of things and opinions and political affiliations and stupid things and funny things and all sorts of things. But, um, but I'll tell you the one that most, I think, most identifies this sense of where you, your treasure is, there will your heart be, is when it comes to their children. Especially this time of year as, as kids are going off to university and there's a, a well-known bumper sticker that almost every university has and it says, my daughter or my son and my money go to such and such of university. Places that parents didn't really care much about before but all of a sudden their children are going there and they get to write a check every month to that place to keep their children away from, I mean to keep their children <laughs> and educate them. And something about that university grabs their heart now because why? Their, their precious child is there and their money is there. They're investing. Their treasure is being turned over to that university to mold them and shape them. And you know what? When that, they'll play football or whatever it is, man, they'll be out there cheering them on because now all of a sudden they have their heart. We 
we can actually make a choice sometimes about where our heart goes. We can make a conscious, intentional effort to invest, to put our treasure in places or in things or in people. And as we do that, something happens to our heart and it changes. And that's why Jesus says, guess what? It matters where you're putting your treasure. Because where you're putting your treasure, there your heart will be also. But there's also a thing about our heart that there are some things that we actually don't really have the power to change in our hearts. There's things sometimes where our hearts are just in a place where it sort of doesn't matter what's going on, our heart is just not ready for change. Or it's that we don't have the ability to make the kind of change that needs to happen. So while Paul's heart may have been you know, changed by his interaction and his investment and his treasure being with the Philippian church. But there are those that we see in that their hearts were changed not because they thought that they needed a change even, but became because something unique happened, and that is that God did a work to change their hearts. We talked about three of them last week. Andy talked about three different people that had a change of heart that only God can produce. The first was Lydia, who he encountered out by the river, and, and uh, he went down there, and she was a seller of, of, of fabric and of purple and, and a businesswoman and very successful and all of that. And I don't know that she woke up that day thinking, man, I need a change of heart today. But she heard a message. She met Paul, and she heard the message of Jesus. And as she heard the message of Jesus, something in her heart changed. Something changed and switched. God put a new heart in her. More dramatic was this slave girl that had been following them around and Paul just turns to her and says, you know, enough of this. And immediately a change of heart happens in her. She goes from this spirit of mocking and of just, you know, an evil spirit within her to to now a, a heart after God. And then we heard about the jailer and, and, and he didn't have a heart. <laughs> he had no heart after God. But after an earthquake in the middle of the night and some uproar in the jail, he's crying out, How, what, what do I have to do to be saved? How, get me out of this. And God comes in and does a change of heart. That's the kind of heart change that we read about in, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36 says this. God says this to, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's the kind of change of heart, new heart that comes only because God comes and does a work in us. We can't sort of make that happen. It's a, it's a new heart that God comes and gives to us. And we see that. That's by Paul's writing now because there are not just one, not just two, not just three, but now we have a whole church full of people, hundreds of people in Philippi who've had that kind of change of heart because they've had an encounter with Jesus Christ and has totally taken their heart and changed it and made it new again, a new heart. So it's that just passion, that heart that Paul has for the Philippian, Philippian church that we read about today and, and in these opening chapters we hear, and, and, and it's out of that heart that Paul has for them that we see this prayer. Paul opens 
And, and after expressing his heart for them, Paul begins to just say a prayer over the Philippians. And I just want to read that again. Verse nine. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's heart for the people of Philippi just pours out into this prayer for them. And just sort of three things this morning from that prayer. Three things as he prays for actually their love, their love to grow. The first is that he prays for their love uh, to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. I find that sort of a little bit strange at first. I don't really think usually of love and knowledge and insight. Usually knowledge and insight, I think about, you know, I mean, we live in an information age where we want, you know, knowledge and, is about information. And it's about science and it's about all of those sorts of things. I don't think that's at all what Paul's trying to talk about when he talks about growing in knowledge and insight. You know what happens in love though? When we have someone that we truly love, what do we want? We want to get to know them, don't we? We want to, when there's somebody we love, we want to get to know about them. We want to sort of know what makes them tick. We want to know the things that they like and the things that they don't like. We want insight into what makes them do this and that and not the other thing. We want to grow in that sort of sense. And Paul is praying actually that that the Philippian church would grow in their love for God. And that their love for God would, would press them into a greater sense of knowing God and having insight and understanding into who God is and what he does and why he does the things he does. And Paul's just praying for them saying, actually, my affection for you, my heart for you is that you would know God better. That you would come to understand him more you would learn more and more about him, that you would grow in that relationship with him. That's his prayer. He goes on though and he says, he wants them to grow in, in more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to discern what is best. To discern what is best. I've been more and more convinced along the way that sometimes the thing that most stands in the way of the best for us is not evil. I mean, it's not that that's not real. But actually, for many of us, the challenge is there's lots of good things that get in the way of the best things. I think that's where, why we, part of the message that we see in, in, in Paul ending up in Philippi. Philippi had some good things that he had plans to do, if you remember last week. Paul had a whole couple of different areas and regions that he was feeling like he wanted to go reach with the gospel and take the good news and, and preach Jesus to them. They were good things and it was, would have been good for him to have gone to those places. But you know what? Something happened and he was kept from going there because it wasn't the best thing. So when he went to go this way and the sort of spirit of God said, no, not there. And then he went to go this way and the spirit of God said, no, not there. 
And then as Andy was sharing with us, he sort of got to the end and was sort of in this town and where else to go? And then all of a sudden the dream came, a man from Macedonia calling him. And the next thing you know, he gets on a boat and goes over and he finds himself in Philippi. I can relate because you know what? I found myself, we found ourselves in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Never planned to be there. Didn't really want to be there had other good things and good places that could have thought about going. But you know what? We knew it was the best thing. It was the best thing. It was the thing that God had for us. There's something about us needing to understand and and come to greater knowledge and understanding and wisdom of who God is so that we can discern what the best things he has for us. I mean, as a church... There are a million good things we could be doing as a church. And we could go out and we could start to look at every other church in London and see what they're doing. And we could say, wow, that's really good. We should go do that. Oh, but they, wait a minute, that's really good too. And there's another good thing. And, there's another, and we could just go and find all sorts of good things. But part of it is not just being about doing good things. It's actually discerning what the Lord is saying to us and saying, yes, but this is the best thing. This is the thing that I've called you to do. And we have to do that individually and we have to do that corporately. And Paul is praying that for the church in Philippi. I am praying that you would grow in love and that you would come to know and understand and, and gain depth so that, what, so that you'll know and discern the best things, the best things that God has for you, the real things he's called you to, not the things that end up becoming a distraction, but the best things. And what happens when we find the best things? Well, he says, why? That we may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Because when we find the best things that God has for us and the things that he's called us to do, we start to live differently. We make different choices. And we become pure and blameless. We make a difference in the world around us. Why Paul later on will be able to say, you know, when he comes to the end, well done. He's longing for that phrase, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been about doing the best things, the things that I called you to. And Paul says if we, his prayer for the Philippians is that if they discern that, then on the day when they meet Christ face to face, they'll be blameless and whole because of him because they've been listening and following and hearing and understanding. And he finally says that they'll be fruitful. (laughs) Fruitful in good works and fruitful in righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. So we can choose where we want to put our heart. We can invest and we can set ourselves towards things, but then there's those things that only God can come and change within us. The good news is here as well is that Paul tells the Philippians, he says, you know what, when God starts that new work, when God starts doing a new thing in our hearts, here's the encouraging thing, he never stops. He doesn't sort of just do a good thing in our hearts and sort of make a change and then leave us to our own devices. No, he says, he that began a good work in you will do what? Will see it to the day of completion. He'll see it to the end. My guess is that most of us in the room, we've had that sort of change of heart, that change of heart that only God can do. 
And some of you today, I just want to encourage you that it wasn't just a one-time thing that happened. That God's still at work in you. He's still working it through to see it to the day of completion and the day of finality. There's some today that my guess is that along the way, maybe if you stop and think about what really has your heart, it might just be that your affections and your heart have sort of drifted off into some things that maybe you don't even realize. And maybe if you step back for a moment and, and thought about it, you'd realize, you know what? I didn't even know how I got here, but somehow I, my heart's sort of gotten set on some things over here. And I know that those are not the, the best things. Sometimes our hearts get set on things that aren't even good. And then sometimes our hearts get set on some things that just aren't best. And I think there's an invitation for us today to say, you know what, maybe we've been investing some things over here and now we found that our heart's over here and we know that our heart actually needs to be over there. I want to encourage you today that we can actually choose and make a choice to say, you know what, I'm going to begin investing over here. Consciously, intentionally investing here because you say, I know that that's where my heart needs to be. And then maybe there's some others today that just say, yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm doing that. I think I'm putting my time and attention to the right things. I think I'm putting my treasure in the right places. But you know what? I just know I need to keep growing in love. I need to get, keep growing in my knowledge of who God is and, and I need some help discerning what's best. And I'm looking for some fruit and some returns on that investment. So wherever you are today, The good news is God's at work. He wants to see it to completion. And he can bring about within us a new heart and new things and let those flourish. I just want to take a minute and give us a moment. Just um, a band's going to come up and and, and as we get ready, but I just give us a moment of a couple moments of silence to just reflect and say, where is my heart? And what would my response be today? Do I need a new heart? Do I need to put my treasure in something different? Or do I just need to grow in new ways and understanding of who God is?